Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your company on Past the Post. We passed the post yesterday, Saturday, February 13. Here we are, Sunday, February 14, to look back at what was uh, well, a great day of racing in Flemington. Group 1 racing with a black caviar lightning. Excellent meeting in Sydney. Unfortunately, marred by the, that showery weather, which reduced the track to a soft seven. But some uh, tip-top performances there. And, of course, Tony Gollan stole the show at Doombam, providing four winners. And uh, I'd say certainly three of them really have plenty of scope and two of them might have really strong scope. Michael Maxworthy from Sky Racing joins me in the studio this morning. Good morning, Michael. Morning, David. Yeah, the emphasis uh, was on the south, of course, at this time of the year. Great meetings in Sydney and Melbourne. But yesterday, um, a fairly quiet day going to the races, but we saw some terrific performances, in particular um, three of the Golan winners, um, horses with change-up gears, exciting prospects. Mm. So on reflection, yesterday's card was fabulous and and we can look forward to seeing horses like miami fly socializing in garibaldi advance over the next few months we plan to have a chat with tony tony gollan uh, in the second half of the program and we'll have a pretty extensive chat too because uh, i'm sure he left dooman yesterday i mean four winners is four winners and that's a, a good result but as you said three of those four he'd be pretty excited about exciting but particularly particularly miami flies mm. Garibaldi uh, not far behind. No, um, I was just thinking he had that uh, that gelding operation at the end of his last prep. Since then, he's finished second to Ruka and then three consecutive dominant wins pretty much, um, you know, against some handy types. And he ran terrific time yesterday, but uh, you're a times man. Uh, Miami flies, she, she ran faster than them all. Mm. So, and that was early in the day. I think it was after race five, we actually got the upgrade to the good three. So... Um, yeah, I'm keen to, to talk to Tony and find out how that filly pulled up and what sort of what plans he's got for her. Everyone in the world was on Garibaldi. Everyone except selected me. You. Except <laughs> stupid old me. And I was thinking of you when he was back last and three wide coming down the side of the course. So that I've got one over him. <laughs> yes. Of Look, course. he ran a great race, but it, the, the alley was... I think they actually, earlier in the week, I think Toby Edmund said on radio to Stephen that he was contemplating on maybe scratching him. Mm. But they went to post um, and it just didn't work out. And, and as it turns out as well, I think the, the refle reflection of the win... Like, Ruger's a pretty handy horse. Garibaldi's been to by, what, nearly five? So yeah. We'll talk about that later. Let's go to Group 1 Racing, the Black Caviar Lightning. It was at Flemington. Always uh, was going to be a, a great spectacle, a great speed spectacle. And Bivouac, he was the $2.15 favourite. 500 metres to go. It's Pippi in front by a length. Nature Strip. Three lengths. What's that? Bivouac and Fabagino's out under the arches from September Run. Helvorsen and Elite Street. It's Pippi joined by Nature Strip over on the far side. Then Swats that and behind those Bivouac there. The hopes. Nature Strip at the clock tower. Kicks a length and a half. Pippi Swats that Bivouac. And then September Run. Nature Strip over towards the inside rail lead. Swats that September Run's flying. But Nature Strip is going to do it. Nature Strip wins from September runs what's that Fabagino will bivouac for four a gap Pippi Helvorsen and last to finish Elite Street yes it was his fifth group one win nature strip and all up of course he's won 15 from 28 Jamie Carr riding for the first time uh, a brilliant return of course you, you'll recall a year ago he was an odds-on favorite and mm. uh, missed the place in the yeah. lightning but a different ball game yesterday yeah, um, yeah, we, we saw him in the spring. Things didn't work out in the spring. Remember, I, I think it had a lot to do with uh, the day that he dislodged uh, James McDonald in the trial at Randwick, mm. and then they had to give him another trial, and things didn't quite work out. But that was the real nature strip, you know. That's what he can do. And I thought it was a great, um, 
um, well, leap of faith, if you like, with Jamie Carr getting the call up from Chris Waller because he's not an easy horse to ride. And uh, she must have been just over the moon to, to get that phone call to, to ride the champion sprinter. There's been a hell of a lot written and spoken about this horse, Nature Strip. He always goes to the races with a lot of coverage, a lot of media coverage, because... I suppose sometimes he has been enigmatic. You know, when we see him at his best, he's absolutely brilliant, just gold-plated. And sometimes he'll let the team down, and often he's as a favourite. But I think that we know that he's got some, some wind issues, some breathing issues, but I think Jamie Carr summed it up post-race yesterday that I think you just have to allow him to travel in his own space and let him do what he wants to do let him take you for the ride. And uh, yesterday, it was an ideal setup, wasn't it? You've got those fast horses like Pippi and Fabagino trucking along, you know, running sub-11 sections, and he can just travel there, and he did the rest. So It was the perfect ride, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, she got the feel of him in a jump out and said she learned a lot from that. Now, it was basically... Um she, she said after the race, it was just keeping him happy, as you say. He was just rolling along behind Bippy. She got tied inside the last 200. He just kept trucking at the same sectionals, and it was a, a terrific performance by him. And it was a terrific performance by September run when you consider she got within a half a length of Nature Strip. When you're mm. running those, those brilliant sections, the, the slowest was the last. I think they ran 12-something. So, but, but she rocketed home. She's a gun up the straight. Yeah. And so much so, she's now the $3.50 favourite for the new market uh, in from $5. Not surprising. Remember we saw her win the Bill Carter. Remember it was a blanket finish? And as you say, this straight racing has been her specialty September run. She's had four goes down the straight there for three wins in a second. And as you say, she's the big firmer for the new market. We go to handicap conditions for mm. the new market at Flemington on the 6th of March. What did you make of Bivouac? Two and a half lengths beaten margin in fifth spot. Yeah, well, there was a punter put 50,000 on him. Um, and he, I don't know how he was feeling halfway through the race yesterday, but... Glenn Boss's report later was that he's a big, strong, powerful colt and maybe he was in need of the run. Clearly, he's better than, than what we saw there yesterday. Yeah, I think you'd have to say, visually, he looked a little ordinary. Com again, it, it's all relative compared to what we know Bivouac can do. Just when we were expecting him to pounce, there was no wasn't there. high zip there. So, yeah, he he's certainly worthy fifth. of another chance. Yeah. And he's also nom for the new market, but he drifted from $8 out to $11. But certainly all honours with Nature Strip. Um, uh, he's often been considered, well, he was actually officially considered the world's best sprinter. And I suppose in some ways, again, he consolidated that opinion with that Group 1 win yesterday, as we said, his fifth Group 1. Well, of course, the Australian Guineas is only a fortnight away. We had two important lead-ups, the C.S. Hayes and the Vanity. Let's go to the C.S. Hayes. And a fairly open market here. In fact, Brando ran the favourite well back to $4.40. 400 metres to go. It's here to shock held together with Tag lower the outside. Azar presenting wider. Then Zach de Boss Wayward from Beltoro. Mawunga under the whip. Cherry Tour. Tony Embolism and Dom to shoot wider. Tag lower at the clock tower with on the outside Azar. Three quarters of a length away. But Tag kicks, pins the ears back from Azar. Mawunga late. But going well as Tag Aloha. Tag Aloha clear. And Tag beat Azar. Mawunga. Cherry Tour. Tony. Dom to shoot five. A gap in the field. Beltoro. Camborn Grand Slam followed by Zach DeBoss, then Embolism Luna Fox Brando got tired here to shock Ditto and the Prez amongst the tail enders. Tagaloa back in winning form, Luke Curry riding and a very courageous win. Uh, Asa looked as though it was going to pose a threat, well, it did pose a threat, but Tagaloa answered every call, went off at $11 beating Asa and 
The Sydney side of Moanga finishing nicely for third. The time was good, 121.63. You compared to the Phillies in the Vanity, they ran 122.32. So uh, a good fast run there, Mike, by Tagaloa. Yeah, the, the margin, I think it was only around about a length, wasn't it? But I, I think the run was better than it looked. Um, we had that horse sort of here to shock um, up there. They were sort of playing cat and mouse in the early part, here to shock. Um, then took the lead over Tagaloa, who appeared to drop the bit for a stride or two, and then Luke Curry got him back up and, and going again, and uh, I thought he was terrific. That last 200 metres, after being exposed for the majority of the trip there, he was really strong at the end, and he's now affirmed in the betting for the Australian Guineas, uh, 15 into 9. Zoo Dancer, 101 into 11 for the Australian Guineas. I guess he's got to tick off that 1,600 metre um, distance. Well, someone who might be able to talk more about that is uh, a person who knows him extremely well, Natalie Young, who, of course, trains in partnership with the, her partner, Trent Pasad, and she's been kind enough to, to join us this morning. Natalie, good morning. Congratulations on yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big relief, to put it that way. Anyway, I think I've had the best uh, night's sleep last <laughs> night since the Caulfield Guineas, to be honest. <laughs> Isn't it nice, like with any horse, regardless if it's a group or a mate, it's nice when a, when a preparation is going swimmingly. And he ran that good race first up at Caulfield. And yesterday, he's run fast time. He was strong to the line and a perfect lead up for, for a big race in two weeks' time. So, obviously, you know, everything, is, everything is going extra well. Yeah, when, you, when you've got that group one in, in the back of your mind that you're trying to get to, you need that campaign that just nothing goes wrong. And he's always been great, second up with his form. You know, since he's run three out of four now, second up. And when they're coming back from you know, a bit of a, a bit of a cloud over him, he sort of can't handle them too much on the track. So we knew we'd take good finish out of that first up run, and he was just caught a little bit deep. But um, he had the like he had the fastest last 600 in that first up run, and mm. sectionals don't lie. So at least we knew we were on track and... He was only going to get better, and first up, he presented like he was looking for that 1,400. Natalie, it's Michael Maxworthy here. Uh, you mentioned at the outset uh, the Caulfield Guineas when he was down the track um, as a 4.20 equal favourite with Ole Kirk. What, what actually happened that day back in the spring? Well, he just sort of tweaked his suspensory slightly, and um, I just had, you know, he, just, he ended up getting scoped with a bit of, uh, you know, like laryngitis, basically. So... You know, we just got him back, treated that, gave him, a, gave him a good sort of month, five weeks off. Got him back out to Yulong and brought him back and just sort of got him up nice and slowly. And um, he's pulled up nice and sound this morning. His legs were all nice and cold. So, you know, um, just, just one of those things like that. It was just too bad to be true, basically. But he actually had a genuine excuse. So, I mean, most of his runs, he's actually, you know, he's been pretty good, to be honest. And he's been pretty honest and consistent. Now, I reckon that's a, probably an understatement because you look through his career, he's the Blue Diamond winner, you took him to Sydney and he performed more than credibly. And the, the Caulfield Guineas, as as you said, there's the only glitch on the on the CV and there's legitimate excuses. But his run of the Rupert Clark to start before was a terrific run. Yeah, he was. And he was only beaten a length and a half and he was exposed, he was deep. Um, but he's just got the, uh, the ability to sustain such a high cruising to the last, 800,000 metres. Mm. I think that's probably the key to him. Uh, you know, his lower speed seems to be a bit higher than everything else. And I think when you just let him roll along and get in that tempo, um, he just really finds the line and he, you know, sees the other horse coming up beside him and he, and he finds another length. And we've seen that yesterday. So, yeah, he's, he's just, yeah, just can't, it's super that he's back to that sort of form, you know. Uh, we're still a couple of weeks away from the lead-up. I still think there's a lot of improvement. I mean, he still had that little bit of a ridge over his back yesterday. 
and um, you know he's not really fully cranked up yet either. So um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks' time where he's going to get a, you know set weights as well. So it's going to be a bit to his advantage. Yeah, uh, Natalie, he looks to have uh, a perfect profile um, to go to start. He's got a mouth-watering pedigree, being a cult by Lord Canaloa from a heart's crying mare, the Japanese influence on both sides, and, and of course the Blue Diamond winner. And if he can get another Group One. Goodness me, what would he be worth? Tell us, has there been interests with studs around the place? Yeah, well, um, after the Blue Diamond, um, you know, year-long investments brought into him, so that's where he'll end up, you know. That's where he'll end up going after his uh, racing career, but um, I hope we get to racing for a little bit longer yet. You know, I just... Uh, you don't want to talk about this. You don't want to talk about retiring to stud. <laughs> no, not yet. I just I think there's a lot more to see of him yet. So I think he'll just even get better as older he gets. But uh, we've just got to get the group one as a three-year-old off mm. our back and then we'll be happy. Just on racing, the, 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 the Guineas will only be his third run this, this time in. Would you contemplate Sydney after that race in a fortnight's time? Um, yeah, definitely, I think. Um, we'd obviously have to have a talk to, you know... Um, you long and, and um, Aussie and the rest of the owners and see, but uh, yeah, you know you've got the likes of a George Ryder or a Doncaster. It would be a nice bit of race going forward, but so don't really want to get ahead of yourself. We just want to focus on the Guineas at this point. And um, I actually personally think, like galloping him, that he's actually better Sydney way round. I think he corners better Sydney way round. And you know, there's two races up there that he did have as a two-year-old was, was huge. You know. He's, in the lead up to the Golden Slipper, he was ridden cold and he really extended and found the line when he runs second in the Todman. And in the in the Slipper, he just jumped a little bit awkward, you know, and he actually pulled up with a little bit of a cut around his coronet and his hind leg. So he may have just had his leg out the other side when he jumped and the horse might have put a half foot of footing on him. So could have had a legitimate excuse. Um, but, yeah, he's just a tough you know, all around. Exciting racing. horse, isn't he? Natalie, yeah. um, uh, you and Trent and the family pulled up stumps uh, in New Zealand a little while ago now. H how is everything going there at Cranbourne? Uh, it's, it's really good, actually. The facilities are outstanding. Um, all the team here at Cranbourne, they, they do a great job. I mean, like Tagalow has been working on you know, the best lawn around, in my opinion, he's been working out there on that grass every day. We've been privileged enough to get him out there every day, so he's just had the best surface, and, um, yeah, really thankful. They, they're very innovative at improving the track all the time, so I wouldn't really want to be anywhere else. Natalie, I first met you mid-2000s um, uh, when I was working in Singapore. You were working there as well. How did you get that opportunity? Uh, I think I was... I think I was it was Jimmy Collard, actually. He came up and said, do you want a job in Singapore? And I think I was working two jobs in about 70 hours a week. And I was like, yep. And I was gone on a plane a week later. So yeah. and I worked for Bernard Ung. Um, I think I worked for him for about nine years. And then he left to go to Macau. And I rode work for um, Paddy. And uh, yeah, and then always did the race day photography. Yeah. So it was great. It was there. Must have spent youth in the 20s, wasn't it? Yeah. Michael in Singapore. We had some good nights out. We, we certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> now, we hope we're speaking to you in a fortnight's time after the Australian Guineas, but as, as far as yesterday's concerned, congratulations. Everything's going in the right direction for the, the big dance in two weeks. Yes, let's hope so. Thanks very much, guys. Bye-bye. See you. See ya. It's a big night set in Singapore. Yeah, well, apparently. <laughs> so she says. <laughs> yeah, they were good old days, let me tell you. If um, uh, Tagaloa is to be hard to beat in the Guineas, you've got to say Asar's not too far away either. And, of course, yep. he, he was he was so good in the spring, you know, running up in the Guineas and the Carbine Club, and uh, he's right on target. The market at this stage is still wide open. Uh, looking at it on tab fix, Crosshaven, Ole Kirk and Tagaloa, $8 each of three, mm. with Asar at 11 
And Zoo Dancer, $11. So this is a good point to go to our next replay. This is the female uh, version of the three-year-old feature yesterday, the Vanity, and Zoo Dancer was the favourite, $3.60. They've got to Long Duan. Zoo Dancer takes the lead under a hold from Island Joy. Starrell needs a run. Personal down the outer. And then came Salto Angel Vespertine. Zoo Dancer went for home at the 250. Hands and heels. Two and a half. Three legs. Personal Starrell Island Joy. And then Thunder Peak. But it's Zoo Dancer for Jamie Carr. She's going to notch up a double. And Zoo Dancer is going to trot in. Impressive. Zoo Dancer won it. Five legs. Personal. Starrell third. And then came Island Joy next in the field. Thunder Peak, Vespertina, Pinch of Luck. Salto Angel has finished second last in a gap long Duan. Zoo Dancer's time was 0.7 slower than Tagaloa, but nevertheless, um, you're winning a race by nearly five lengths. Um, you've got to be some sort of chance in, in, in the Guineas in two weeks' time, and the market has reflected that, as I say, $11 in from 101. Yeah, she, she keeps on improving. That was a dominant display and a little bit like Tagaloa. She can go forward, make her own luck and be very strong at the end. The other one that I thought uh, to keep an eye on is uh, Moonga. Remember we saw him up here? Yeah. He was trained by Chris Waller's uh, satellite stable at the Gold Coast. He won his first start at the Gold Coast on a heavy 10 and then he went to Newcastle and that was when all the tongues started wagging. It was extraordinary performance but he's since transferred to Annabelle Nisham. Had his first run for her yesterday in the Guineas behind Tagaloa and I thought he was terrific. They rode him a little more handier and um, I think he's going to lap up getting to 1,600 metres. What about this car woman, Jamie Carr? Another treble yesterday. It just seems like every week goes by on a Saturday, doubles, trebles. It's yeah, amazing. Would you ever have thought this 20 years ago and we had all of those champion jockeys in the south? Um, I mean... Around the world, we've always had the Sydney jockeys, the Melbourne jockeys being the best. They could, you know, they could mm. measure up anywhere they go. But would you have ever thought that um, we'd get um, a rider like Jamie Carr blazing a trail in against those top-class jockeys in Victoria? It's a great thing, sensational thing. And I was just having a look at her stats last night. I think that was her fourth Group 1. Mm. Um, at the moment, she's leading the Metro Premiership in Melbourne by... Um, 18 wins, 58 over Damien Oliver, 40. Um, ra rather, Damien Lane, 40, and then Damien Oliver, 38. Now, win strike rates up about 20%, and her horses have earned um, in the metro area since the 1st of August $7.3 million. Uh, everybody loves her, love backing her. She's a product of South Australia, and, and just speaking about the, the presence of, of female jockeys now and their success rate, Every week in Adelaide goes by, I can tell you, if there's a nine-race card, four or five, five or six of the races are won by female jockeys. Yeah. And there's like five or six there that you could just uh, tick off and say they continue to ride well. Of yeah. course, Jess Eaton leads the premiership over, over there as well. So, And what about um, what about in Sydney, Rachel King? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's being used by all of the top stables and rode Colette for Godolphin yesterday. And uh, Rachel's running third in the Metro Premiership in Sydney behind Tommy Berry. Tommy's at 63, James McDonald's 60, and then Rachel's there on 40. Her win strike rate's about 14%, and her prize money, uh, her horses have earned 4.7 million. So um, things have changed. Let's round out the Flemington card yesterday and we'll have a listen to the Talon Dirt Stakes, a listed race for two-year-olds. The favourite was ingratiating at $3.
Onto the course proper, 550 metres to go. It's Frost Flowers with Golf of Suez and Ingratiating is joining in strongly. Behind those horses, Greaves, Mount Buller, and further back is Gimme Partre, Porty, and Sars Smith. But it's the two Godolphin runners, Ingratiating under hands and heels at the 250, led by a length and a half. Frost Flowers, Gimme Par runs on from Greaves, but Ingratiating went for the doctor with 100 metres to go, led by about a length and a half to Gimme Par. Birdsell's finishing the race off well, Ingratiating getting tied. Gimme Par's coming at it but ingratiating too strong. Beat Gimme Par a half. Two and a half. Birds full third from Trey Porty. Then Frost Flowers Greaves and behind those horses Golf of Suez alongside of Spicy. Well back in the field then was Buffet Buster, Saz, Midmount Buller and Harung near finish last. Ingratiating has been a very competitive youngster. It's had the four starts. Of course it one on debut right back in the early part of the season when it won the uh, the Maribyrnong trial at Flemington, then ran second in the the Maribyrnong plate, had a spell, uh, ran behind Enthar uh, in the chairman's and was convincingly beaten by Enthar and then ingratiating winning yesterday. I think whilst taking nothing away from ingratiating, it all keeps coming Enthar. back to Enthar for the, the Blue Diamond. Yeah. Very uh, good form analyst uh, who you know well, young form analyst who does Melbourne form very well, he said... Uh, Enthar is free money next week. Yeah. Not a bad especially yeah. free money. Just yeah. There to pay, just there to take. And no barrier draw as yet either? Uh, didn't worry about that. He said, you know, the one straight she's run, got a, $2.10 she She's is. got an extraordinary amount of speed. Everything about her is just mm. fabulous. And that was, a, that was a cakewalk when she beat Ingratiating a fortnight ago. So, org as well for her. Double Z to Damien Oliver and also to Luke Curry yesterday. So, that was racing at Flemington. Let's move up the eastern seaboard to Royal Randwick and... Well, in the morning, we started with a, a good four track, but unfortunately, fairly heavy rain. Uh, and then persistent rain during the afternoon saw the track uh, be the subject of several downgrades. It ended up, for the major part of the card, a soft seven. Let's go, firstly, to our uh, The Light Fingers, race eight. This was a group two and away game who'd come back from Queensland and running in the, the Magic Millions Guineas was the favourite, went off at 260. Here's the replay. Every row still the leader though from Vangelic and Thermosphere goes to third, a couple off to away game. Then came Elizabeth, 250 out. Every row still going in the lead. Out by two lengths on away game. She's getting into a work giving chase. Every row's the length and a half to away game. Never talk late on the scene. Every row's still in front. Never talk is charging home late at every rose. Every rose just got in there from Never Talk and Away Game has run third. Followed by Elizabeth, Thermosphere, Love Sensation, Hungry Heart Late, further back to Vangelic. Then came Felizzi, Nicky's Fling, Karma, Last Sweet, Reply, Orpheum and Joviality. Every, every rose, she's a pretty thing. Nice blaze in the four white feet and she scorched a path there in the light fingers yesterday. First out of the gates and first home. Never headed for it for trainer Mark Newnham, and of course we saw a bit of her uh, a year ago yeah. up here. Yeah, um, she ran a terrific race um, leading up to the Magic Millions every rose, uh, finishing uh, second uh, behind. Uh, that was King's Legacy, who certainly went on with the job. And then uh, I remember standing next to Mark Newnham, um, you know, uh, on the rails there opposite the winning post on Magic Millions Day, and she's missed the kick. There was a delay um, at the start, and she's missed missed the kick. Still ran a terrific race to finish midfield. Obviously, things haven't gone according to plan since then, but sometimes you've just got to play the, the waiting game, and they've been very patient with her and are now reaping the rewards. Mark Newton's on the line now to talk about every rose. Mark, good morning. Congratulations. And uh, 
I'm sure you would have got great satisfaction of that yesterday because you've always had very strong faith in this filly and that was that was vindicated yesterday. Yeah, morning, David. Morning, Michael. Uh, yeah, it was, look, it was very pleasing to uh, have her back in that sort of form. Um, you know, 12 months ago, you know, we thought we might might still be able to press on to a to a golden slipper after her uh, her early two year old form, and yeah, she was unlucky in the Magic Millions, but since then it's been a little bit of a tale of woe, um, and not uh, not through anything bar um, growing phases really. Um, she just had to pull up early on her in each of the preparations since then, and she had a few niggling knee issues that didn't require anything. Uh, a bit of time and uh, everyone's held the faith and uh, were repaid yesterday. What I noticed yesterday, two things about the performance. Uh, Josh Parr, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but just watching the, the, the lateral vision, did he direct a, or did he maintain a path away from the rail right around for the 1,200 metres? Yeah, exactly that. Um, when I got there, I didn't have runners until uh, the last two races. So uh, I got there midway through the day and walked the track. Um, Josh had had a couple of rides already, so uh, we had a discussion about that. And um, we're of the belief that the best part of the track was anywhere from about four to eight off the fence. And if she could just maintain pretty much a straight line, being Randwick 1,200, it's not a huge disadvantage, if you're, especially if you're an on-pace runner, to um, to draw wide. So... Um, he, he just maintained a, a good rhythm out off the fence and um, was able to kick strongly, you know, probably at the 300 and, and it was heart-in-your-mouth stuff the last 50. Yeah. The other thing I, I noticed uh, was that she drew the outside gate, but she's a good beginner and she took the race by the scruff of the neck right from the start and and, and, and uh, Josh just allowed her to, to roll and, and you, you ride a lot of horses. Well, you're a horseman, you understand this and... I think it's good for our listeners to understand that sometimes with these horses, you have to defer to their best features, what they want to do. You let them do what they want to do rather than fight what they want to do. Is that a fair case in point with every rose that she likes to run and that's the way Josh rode her? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, that was the other point I discussed with him, that, um, you know, her best asset is her speed and, and being able to sustain a good speed. She's not a filly that, uh, going to sit and sprint for you and I had a very ready for yesterday's race um, group two Phillies race she needed to show that she was um, you know up to that grade now and on her work and her trials uh, I believe she was but uh, we need it confirmed on race day and I just the only thing I had said to Josh was you know her best her best runs uh, in a career have been when she's she's uh, put it to the opposition and, um, you know, winning the Jim Crack Stakes in that sort of fashion. And the day she ran second to King's Legacy at Eagle Farm, um, look, it took a really good cult and it took him a long mm. time to beat her. And um, so I, I was keen to ride her aggressively yesterday and uh, and make it a test for the opposition. Mark, the surround uh, looks a good race for her. 1,400 metres um, here at home at Randwick. I, I don't know about you, but I, I like backing horses or doing form on horses that race handy in 1,400 metre races. Uh, the tempo is obviously a lot more sedate than the, the hustle bustle of a 1,200. 
Oh, and that really counts at, at Randwick 1400. Um, you know, horses on pace at Randwick 1400 have a great record. Um, with her, I'll wait a few days before I, I make a decision whether she goes there. It's just about whether she can conserve enough energy mm. to do that. Um, you know, it, it's nice to think that she'd be able to just control the race in front. But, um, you know, we started her up a bit yesterday and it'll be, it'll be an interesting week just to see how, that, how she reacts during the week and, and whether I think that, uh, you know, she's going to be able to be contained over 1,400. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Harness that speed, isn't it? She's got to come back a little bit for him. So is, is yeah, there... exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, yesterday's race we rode it to to that plan. Um, you know, it'd be nice to just see her demeanour during the week. If she's nice and relaxed and looks like she she'll react well, um, it'd be the right way to go. So, is there a plan B if you don't go to the surround? I oh, could possibly freshen her up and uh, and and get her ready for the Galaxy. Mm. Um, you know, eleven hundred Rose Hills, terrific on pace. She showed yesterday she can handle soft ground, which is generally what we get golden slipper day. And it's a good race for lightly weighted lightly weighted on speed horses. I thought you were going to get the, the double there. Academy was there everywhere, bar the line. Of course, the half-brother of every race and was just nutted in the last race. Yeah, and, and that's, look, it played out. It played out really well up until the last two strides. But, um, oh, look, he's, he's a nice horse. He was a month between runs. So you know he may have just felt the pinch the last little bit on on a, on ground that was fairly well chewed up by the last. And Mark, uh, just finally an update on Graceful Glamour. Yeah, she's going well. Um, she'll run uh, on the 27th in the Guy Walter 1400 metres, and then hopefully uh, she'll have secured an invite to the All Star Mile after that. And how's that voting going? I believe it closes at midnight tonight um, and they withdraw the leaderboard at about 10 o'clock. Have you had a, had a quick look? Yeah, she was sitting about fourth last time I had a look. So oh, that's good. Yeah. I'd say she's safely in. Um, and, uh, oh, look, she's a popular mare, grey front-running mare. She's easy to like. Yeah, and, and she's got a bit of Mooney Valley form as well. Yeah, look, she won't be the worst in it. That's for sure. It'll be interesting, sort of. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the field ends up being. And um, look, controlling a race out in front around Mooney Valley's, you know, her style of her style of race. And um, I'm sure she'll give a good sight. Good work, Mark. Always appreciate your time on Past the Post, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks very much. Mark Newnham joining us this morning. Just on Graceful Glamour, I was mentioning with Nathan last week with this All-Star Mile, the fact that it is at Mooney Valley, it's going to play to some and not play to others. It would play to her. She might be the best horse in the yeah. race, but but uh, the way she races... Mm. Uh, I think she's well. had sort of three starts there, David. A couple unplaced, but she did win a race there. It might have been over the mile, too, by six lengths, leading all the way. So, And just with every rose, I understand the philosophy there. Like, in one, one minute we're talking about you know, you've got to let her use her speed. Well, if that's the case, 1,400 might be a bridge too far. And he, he's thought about that. Yeah. Because, um, as he said, she was started up yesterday, fresh up, and that was 1,200 metres. The speed of a 1,400, as we know, is totally different. So she needs to, you know, she needs to drop a cog for the rider. Mm. But, so she, she's $11 on the tab, but just keep in mind what Mark outlined there. Mm. Dame Giselle currently $4 favourite.
away game at six. Looked to have a chance yesterday. Yeah, she was winding up. She was 1,400 of the coast back to 1,200. Um, I thought she was going to get there um, with 100 to go, but every rose kicked strong. And I, I thought the, um, the terrific run in the race was... Uh, uh, the runner-up there, David, um, Chris Lees' horse. Never talk. Yeah. Um, by gee, um, she gave them six-length start and was going home two strides to their one the last 200 metres. That was the light fingers. Let's go to race six, the Southern Cross Stakes, a Group 3 race, and Mask Crusader horse has always carried a, a good reputation in a brief career, was the favourite. So it's Southern Alad travelling strongly in the lead by a length and Alberman, followed by Mask Crusader, still continuing to over race on the outside of Victorum. Then Gem Song from High Taylor and Rahiram being stoked up last as they come around the turn now. Southern Lad comes well out the fence, leads by a couple and Alberman, followed by Victorum, Mask Crusader. He's still five off the lead, being roused along. Then High Tail, Rahiram still back last. Southern Lad goes to the 200 with a two length lead on Victorum. Mask Crusader getting into his work now. He's starting to dig in. And Mask Crusader quickly raced up to hit the lead now. And Mask Crusader edges away to win it. Second goes to Southern Lad just in front of Victorum and the fast-finishing gem song. Then came Alberman, Rahiran very late on the scene and Hightown never a factor. Mask Crusader, he was first up, but uh, he was clearly too good for them. A race where they, they dropped the pace in the earlier middle part. He just wanted to over-race a touch, but... He was simply too classy for them, Tommy Berry riding. Yeah, he's, he, he really stamped the race the last 200 metres. Really powerful charging to the line. I know he was getting a little bit of a reputation from punters as, uh, you know, being disappointing. Last prep, he, he wasn't able to win as a, an odds-on favourite on all three occasions, but he's obviously um, returned in excellent order. Yes. He certainly has. The man who'd be more than happy with that is Michael Hawks, of course, part of Team Hawks. And Michael is always a... a uh, a welcome guest on Past the Post. He joins us this morning. Michael, good morning. Mr Fowler, how are you? Mr Maxworthy. Oh, good. Very good. well. Now, yeah. that, that would have been a satisfying win yesterday because it, it was a it was an ordinary prep, uh, a light prep during the spring, but, but yesterday we, we saw Mars Crusader at what we know he can do, what he's capable of doing. Well, we've always thought a lot of the horse, but obviously last prep he had three starts, and truthfully, if you had said to us, you know, this horse wouldn't win a race mm. uh, in the prep, you'd be, you know, tens on to, to, to not do that. But reality was um, he had a couple of tough runs, a couple of average rides, and we decided to put him away. And, you know, this trial this time in, he, he really, you know, took to the fore and he trialled like a bomb. And obviously we had him in last week and we decided to scratch uh, due to the wet track and we just didn't want to give him a gut buster first up. But lo and behold, then all of a sudden you get a wet track at Randwick and it goes from a good four to a track and so we thought look he's got no weight um we've got to start him off all oh, beat he's jumped a few grades from where he was he was only i think a benchmark 79 horse but uh, it was a light field i don't think it was a, a fabulous field to be honest but it wasn't about the field it was probably more the way he won and he just won with a lot of authority but just to get him back into winning form is great and hopefully he's in for a good prep well i suppose the the next logical question we saw him there yesterday where does he head well, honestly, with us, everybody everybody knows, you know, we're one race at a time. And with this bloke, there's a lot of options. You know, people always ask that question. How far will they go? Do they have to go further? You know, you don't have to. But his, his win yesterday just stamped him that he's got to be a good prep. Um, truthfully, I think the horse is still 12 months away. Um, he's still a baby. 
he's only had eight starts and to do what he did yesterday in the eight starts, you know, people don't realise that, that last prep he was probably a boy. This time he's, he's more a man. And I think in time he's going to be a better horse again. But there's a lot of upside. There's a lot of sprint races. You know, there's, there's distance races. You know, he may even stretch out to 14, maybe further. But at this stage, we have nothing really penciled in. It was more about just trying to get him back on song and get him back to winning form. All right, just uh, before we discuss some of your uh, older horses that, that went around last week, Michael, can I get a bit of an update on the slipper with Team Hawks? Uh, what's what's the latest there? Slipper's a while away, Michael. It's, uh, there's a lot to go between the water and under the bridge. Look, there's a lot of nice two-year-olds. We've got some nice two-year-olds stepping out this week. And, um, you know, there's one on Wednesday, one on Friday and one Saturday and they're all thereabouts, you know. Halal, uh, he's a nice little fast net horse that won, obviously, at Kensington during the week, or sorry, during midweek a um, couple of weeks ago, and remarks there. And, um, you know, horse in Melbourne that won a Pride of Dubai horse. And sort of, sort of scattered around. You're just trying to place these horses in the right races at the right time. So, look, for us, the slipper, um, you know, it's a race we always want to be in, but you've got to get your horses right at the right time. So it's about placing them to get their best performance and to get into the race, number one. Michael, just before we let you go, as Michael Maxworthy just said, uh, you did provide plenty of firepower last Saturday. Just a quick tick-off on these horses. Written Beauty, is she going to the Oakley Plate? She's um, probably this day she'll run at Rose Hill in the Fireball okay. um, coming up. So, look, but we never... We never sort of say where we're definitely going, David, because things happen and things change, you know. Everyone knows at the moment with COVID in Victoria, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So who was outstanding, um, did everything right. People forget she's only a three-year-old filly at the moment, so she's got a lot of upside with her. Ole Kirk? Uh, at this stage, he's running in Melbourne uh, in the Group 1 on Saturday, and uh, he'll head down later in the week. What did you think of North Pacific's run last week? I thought it was a bit of an ordinary ride, truthfully. Um, you know, James just sort of sat there and just waited and sort of wanted to wait to happen rather than sort of put him in the race. And, mm. um, you know, I think had he put him in the race at the right time, you might have seen a different result. But uh, the horse is going great. He's running in the Hobartville Saturday. And finally, Mount Popper. Yeah, it was a really good run. Um, just got beat. But uh, he's another European that's just taken a, a bit to come to hand. And, like most of our Europeans, they always take that little bit. But he's he'll probably only have a couple of runs this time in again. Um, he's not probably seasoned enough yet. And even though it was a huge run, um, I think we'll just look after him. But he's another prep or two away. But he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. Outstanding update. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, guys. Michael Hawks joining us. David, um, yeah, the slipper um, is really starting to come together now. And if they they all make it, as we as Michael said, they're two year olds. You've got to get them there. Uh, they're very delicate at this time of the year. But at this point, we've got Profiteer, the English Millennium winner, on tab at four dollars fifty in the favourite. Enthal, of course, goes to the Blue Diamond next Saturday. Two ten for the Blue Diamond, but five dollars at the moment for the Slipper. Stay inside. It was impressive mm. uh, for Freedmans there on Saturday at Randwick on the third line at nine. Remark. Can't wait to see him again. Eleven dollars, and then the Magic Millions winner Shakiro at fifteen. You would have seen that trial, um, um, Shakiro and Remark at Rose Hill last week. Um, both of them turning in terrific performances. Shakiro. 
bouncing the gates quickly to lead. Remark sitting back under a very light ride, coming home strongly on the outside. So it could be a vintage slipper this year. I was about to say that, and it's good when a race of the prestige of a golden slipper is being talked about so far in advance. I mean, we're going to get still a, the twentieth of March. March. Isn't it? Yeah. We're going to get a we're going to get a, a great insight in the Blue Diamond with Enthar next week. Now, her price will change one way or the other uh, for, yeah. the, for the slipper after the Blue Diamond. But then we've got all those lead-up races coming up. You know, one for the Colts, one for the Phillies. But a lot of conversation already. And the reason is because there's a lot of damn good two-year-olds around. Yeah, and jockey merry-go-rounds as well. Uh, we know Tommy Berry rides a lot for Team Hawks, but um, he's been riding Remark. Um, we've got Hugh Bowman who rode uh, Profiteer in the English Millennium and he rode Shakiro in the Magic Midians. And J-Mac, he's had a go at most of these horses. He's been on Enthal, um, stay inside. He was shaking his head. It was an unbelievable victory, mm. according to J-Mac. And, of course, um, um, he, he's been associated with Shakiro as well. So watch this space. Exciting time from a two-year-old point of view. But let's uh, round out Randwick, Royal Randwick, by listening to the Group 2 Apollo very elegant was making her return to racing and she was the favourite at $2.50. Prince Fawaz being tested a bit by Colding a long way up. Then came Fun Star from Colette. Very elegant is off the fence now. From Toffee Tongue, the outside, Mugger 2 and 50 stars. Into the straight now and Colding lays it down to Prince Farwas. Colette's off, Colette's off the fence from Fun Star. Very elegant, three lengths away. Colette lays it down to Colding and Colette takes the lead. Got a half length up on Colding. Then Fun Star and Very Elegant, but Colette rips away with the Apollo Stakes. Brilliant first up performance. Colette won it by two lengths to Colding and a neck back to Very Elegant. Then Fun Star, Mugger Too Late, a gap back to Toffee Tongue from 50 Stars and Prince Fawaz. She's one smart girl, this one, Colette. When you consider she's won an Oaks uh, in heavy ground in the autumn, she won the Golden Eagle in the spring and produced first up today and somewhat neglected in the market, $12, Rachel King riding and had a perfect run and was able to win first up. So mm. the the world's her oyster. And I, I think uh, originally James Cummings was maybe looking at a, a Sydney Cup, but now he's saying let's raise the bar like the Queen Elizabeth is, yeah. is on the agenda. Well, she can run a, a strong 2,400 metres at Randwick, so that could be a good race for this four-year-old mare. She's by hallowed crown and apparently she's diminutive uh, but got a mm. huge heart. And that was a terrific performance by her yesterday with Rachel King in the saddle. So... Now, Godolphin had a good day. They had Taylor win the Triscay earlier. She's just a great wet tracker, isn't she? That soft seven, no problem yesterday. Taylor's now had eight starts for six wins, a mere by, by um, shooting to win. And James Cummings did say after the race, uh, maybe a galaxy. We heard Mark Newnham say that with every rose as well. They get through, you know, they get light weights in a galaxy. And if Ooh. it happens to come up a little bit wet, a horse like Taylor could possibly, you know, place in the group one. And more often than not, it is a wet autumn. The, the only thing I'll, I'll poo-poo about the Apollo Stakes yesterday was it was run at a very slow tempo and it yeah. was a sprint home. So Colette was there in the right spot, trailing those two leaders. I thought Very Elegant's run was good to finish third, missed the start and uh, and hit the line well. I thought Mugger 2's run yes. was good too. Liked him steaming home out wide. Yeah, her and his sectionals, I think, were terrific. They, I haven't seen them, but clearly, visually, you could see that. Very Elegant, she was up to a little bit of those tricks with that uh, very slow tempo early. She wanted to get a little bit keen, but by gee, she hit the line hard. And yes, Mugger 2, I think they're trying to get him into the All-Star Mile as well. Um, certainly up to 1,600 metres 
because it's going to suit him perhaps next start. So you're right. Um, when analysing that race, we've got to take into account the, the moderate sectionals early. Thanks for your company this morning on Past the Post. We'll take a short break and then come back and analyse yesterday's meeting at Doombin. Past the Post on Radio Tab. We raced at Dooman yesterday and um, started a good four. Probably was a good three all day, but uh, we, we saw some. We saw, well, it probably was, wasn't it? Uh, we, we saw some great performances, but the day did belong to our premier trainer, Tony Gollan. He provided four winners. They were all very popular winners because they were all favourites, and there's a lot to talk about these wins, and Tony's been kind enough to join us this morning on Past the Post. Tony, good morning. Good morning, guys. Let's work. We're going to work from the, the bottom up. So let's talk about leadership spill firstly. And I was saying in the preview yesterday morning, if you wanted the right race for a horse, here it was, 1,050, barrier one, good fresh, and he duly saluted well back too and, and ran good time. Tony, I'm interested in your thoughts here. Last campaign, he won first up. I was a little disappointed with him last campaign. Yeah, I think it was a bit of trainer error, to be honest. I, just first up, I don't think I had him quite quite spot on. So when he won, I think it really took a bit out of him for the preparation. This time in, I was a bit mindful of that, and I, I really made sure we put plenty of work into him and to the point where you would have seen we scratched him at the Sunshine Coast a few weeks ago to have him ready for this race. We'd give him an extra jump out. So I think he had about three this time in, and he was really forward yesterday. He's such a good fresh horse. He was really forward, and... I think he'll have a better prep because he'll come through this first up run better than he did last time. I think mm. last time the first up win took quite a bit out of him. He was just way too above himself first up and just knocked him around. He ran 59.78.33.16. We know the times were quick yesterday, but I like it when they can break a minute for that, that track and trip. How far will he get? Will he get 1,200? Yeah, look, I, th I think he will. Um, I'll probably be a little bit guarded getting him there. It has mm. to be the exact right sort of race. I think if I just pick his mark and try and keep him in the right grade. I think I could go to 1,200. I'd probably prefer to stay to no further than 11, 10 at this point in time. I'll just see what my options are with him. Let's leadership spill. Let's go to socialising. We'll have a listen to the replay first. And uh, she was an easing favourite in race seven. Down below the 600 metres, speed strong. 43.76, they broke the 44. And Phantom Falcon again goes up to move to the lead from Ashman, who's immediately under pressure. Grey Missile coming out three wide, then Perfect Dame Captivator. Socialising, being called upon. Now comes to the outside. Below the 300 metres, though, and Phantom Falcon got its second win. Socialising's in hot pursuit. Phantom Falcon's a sitting shot. Socialising going up on the outside. Socialising takes the lead from Phantom Falcon, then Captivator and Perfect aim, but socialising. Another one for Gollan. Beat home, Phantom Falcon. Third over the line was Captivator. Then perfect aim, victory eight out wide running on. Another excellent performance turned in by Socialising. She just loves it here at Doombin, Tony. She wasn't easier in the betting, as, as David pointed out. And I just wonder whether punters were thinking maybe Phantom Falcon was going to get a cheap time of it on the lead. And then, lo and behold, the gates open and Ashman really presses for the front. And all of a sudden, uh, she's a $1.50 chance. <laughs> That's the yeah, way no. I thought anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it's quite, it's quite funny how the race sort of panned out. You just see a few of them deep up the back there. When they were a bit deep in that 900-metre corner, it really generated that nice speed for us in the race. And once that happened, you're right, Maxie, it sort of made the race a lot easier to watch. When she was slow away and sort of back a little bit, I probably needed that to happen. When that happened, it was just a matter of then Jimmy, you know, getting her through the field, which he did, did a great job of. So she was excellent. She hadn't ticked the 1350 
meter box yet. Um, she probably always give the impression that she was going to get it. I know she'd had runs over it down south, but I, I suggest the mare's obviously in a bit better form now, and she's got a tail up and she's in good order. And when mares are like that, they can do things well. And I think she's racing really well at the moment, and that distance yesterday was perfect. You've done a terrific job with her. She's now won seven from 20. You didn't always have her, of course. She arrived from Victoria. Uh, her recent wins, uh, in fact, she's gone back-to-back at Duma. Does that suggest to you now that she's gone to a, a, a stronger level? Yeah, I was always really confident to bring her back in the summer and that she could sort of make it to that mare's grade. And I think she probably didn't really pan out for her. She drew wide her first go at Duma and then she went back across to Eagle Farm and she ran in a restricted race. It was a really good run. And then she went back to Eagle Farm again and she just didn't really handle the surface. It was just too firm for her. She, she's a Bella Spree. She hasn't got the world's greatest set of knees on her. Um, but when we got her back to Doom and dropped her back in grade, I, I really think, looking at her now, she profiles well for a race like the Gay Waterhouse mm. at the end of our Winter Carnival. So everything for me now will be about just getting her towards a race like that in the winter. So we'll back off her at some stage and pick our mark with her, and I think that's a real suitable target for her. We're working up the Golan ladder. Let's go to race nine. Garibaldi, $1.60 was the favourite. 34.75, the first 600 metres up to the turn they run. I can see Garibaldi's near the rail. Ruka's peeling wide, but in the straight, all important, still up front in the lead from Parker on the outside that I want to be a Jeep. Now Garibaldi gets into the clear, starts to finish generously. Alexis trying to run and Ruka is down the outside, but Garibaldi, the short price favourite, goes for home, goes away from them, and it's going to be four for Tony Gollan as Garibaldi robs home in the last race. Garibaldi by five, most impressive. Second was Ruka and third was hold the line then came Alexa followed by yes the only person in Australia that didn't tip him was me uh, tip Ruka and uh, once again felt uh, pretty stupid after the last hey look uh, it's all there it's there for everyone to see with Garibaldi win 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 G- going very well uh, do you ease up with him now yeah definitely yep yesterday was I was going to do it after his last run and sort of a bit of a think about it and I thought well he's got to probably go to a race like this and do what he did yesterday, and then I can rightfully ease up on him and look towards the carnival with him. Mm. I think if I have done it off the class three, even though he was really good three weeks ago, it was probably important to see him do it again and again, just up that little bit more in grade. And He did everything I thought that he would do yesterday, to be honest. He's a really good horse. Uh, I know he's been much maligned by the punters over the years. He's had started favourites so many times, and he was always a bit of a gunner. But since he's been gelded, I, I personally think he should be unbeaten since he's been back. Um, he was beaten by Ruka first up, and Robbie Frad, I think, give Ruka that day a 12 out of 10, and we sort of covered a bit more ground, and that was the difference. But ever since then, he's he, he snuck into the Sunshine Coast, and then he's just building confidence at horse. And he's he's just, he's about the finished product now. The way he's racing, he's jumping, he's settling, and you know when you ask him for an effort now, George, he's got to turn a foot. So he's always I always felt that the sort of horse he was going to be, and it's just so rewarding watching him race like this. At this stage, Tony, to keep him to 1,200 metres because um, he did have a tendency early to over-race just a little bit, but up in, up in grade, they're going a little bit faster and he seems to be relaxing a little bit. At one point yesterday, um, Michael had to give him yeah. a, a dig up at about the 700. He picked, 700, up the, yeah. Yeah, picked it up beautifully. Yeah, and that, that's that's really what I'm wanting to see now with him. Geez, I was happy about that. Sort of, He's relaxing that well now and... And when he was able to manoeuvre through him, Judy could show a turn of foot. So I think you're right. I think 1,200 is good for him. I do think the way he's going, he's sort of a bit like socialising. I think he could get 1,400 now because he's relaxing so well mid-race. He did run third in a, a size, you know, as a two-year-old at, um, at Eagle Farm. So not like he couldn't get the trip. Um, but I think, yeah, I think he's sort of getting there. 1,400 wouldn't be beyond him. And I think he's a really nice horse for the winter.
Well, we had the roundtable conference before we came on air and we decided this was the number one performance from the Golan Stable. <laughs> Let's go to Miami uh, Fleiss winning race two at $1.30. So the favourites in control. Miami Flies out by a length by the 800 metre mark. Georgie's Pride has posied up in second. Third, the inside Taomina Match just being ridden along a little there. Followed by Mashani Appeal in fourth. Two further back to Shan Jomi who whips them in and is spotting the leader about six lengths. But Miami Flies travelling really well. Nursed into the bend. Rod's got his finger flexed on the trigger. He hasn't moved. Second is Georgie's Pride under immense pressure. They're on about four away to Mashani Appeal in third. Miami Flies balanced up for the run to the judge. He goes for the doctor now, led by a couple of lengths to Georgie's Pride, who's game in second, about four further back than to Shan Jomi. But Miami Flies with 100 metres left to run. She's coming down to the post. She's going to score easily again. Four lengths clear to Georgie's Pride and makes it two from two. Miami Flies, impressive. Defeated Georgie's Pride. Shan Jomi third. Yes, well, uh, the impressive part was when the time flashed up on the, the the board, 18.41. I don't care what you say, whatever type of track it is, for a filly to second start to be running 18.41 around Doom and, and doing it, doing it from start to finish, says this is a very, very serious racehorse. And that's not rocket science. But one point you made, Tony, I think in the press after the win was she's got this, this precocious speed that she can keep delivering, you know, section after section, you want her to, to mature a bit, though, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I still think, if you look at her yesterday, she jumped that well. Michael said he'd just give her a dig. didn't want her to stargaze because she jumped so quick. I think when he did that, as he'll, he'll be first to admit, she just didn't probably come back to him as well as what he really would have wanted to see. She's got a big, extravagant action. Not a bit, a little bit unlike Zoo style, to be honest. Mm. Not probably as big as his, but that same sort of throws her front legs out. She really covers some ground. And I just seen her head was just, her head was just cocked up a little bit higher than where I'd want it mid-race. And... I, I suggest there's obviously a lot more in her. It's only a second race start. Yeah. I think once you can harness that speed and really come back mid-race, and we've ridden her with cover in trials and jump-outs, and she'll switch straight off, and she's got a really good turn of foot. So mm. I think we're seeing her do it all from the front at the moment. And Look, that's all well and good, but I think when she gets to better races to ride her you know, pair back with cover, I think you'll see her just as good, if not better. When you talk about the times too early in the day when there might have been a bit of give in the ground, as yeah. David pointed out, she's run that time. Compare it with Garibaldi, who wins yeah. by four and a half in a class six, and she runs faster than him. That's just, just... And the leaders in that race sort of went right back near the mm. tail. They really got tied to a bit of pressure. So, yeah, for her to make that pressure all herself and run that quicker time, times are very you know, good comparing them on the day, and I think um sort of shows you where she's at. She's a very talented filly, and... Certainly the stable and all the connections are pretty excited about her. You've had time overnight to um, to, to <laughs> think about things. Will you? What about the jewel at the Gold Coast? Yeah, it's a pretty good um, sort of option, I think. I want to have a bit more of a think about it this week and look up all the op options with her. Uh, obviously, black type's also very important for her as a breeding point of view. Um, just not sure how deep we can go in one prep with her. So the jewel might be our best option. It's only a month away and... She certainly wouldn't run again. If she's going to that, I'll just give her a jump out of a trial or something. She's pretty athletic, sort of silly. So I'll just think about it this week, which way I go with her. I sort of half feel a little bit sorry for Ryan Maloney. Well, was this his ride? And was Garibaldi his ride? <laughs> yeah, they were. Um, they all sort of missed him the week that um, he fell off ice tape. Obviously, he was a bit bruised and battered. And Michael, you know, he's obviously been riding for the stable as well. Sort of yeah. got on there and he was Johnny on the spot. And it's just the way it is, isn't it? Them. Yeah, I'm not one to take them off once they win on them. I just don't think that's probably fair. And I spoke, I've spoken to Ryan about this, and as he said, you know, he really got on isotope by fluke himself. So 
you know, it's a big wheel at our place, and they all get their turn. So I think that you know both riders do a great job for us. But yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, sorry for Ryan there. He's unfortunately missed that week where we had a lot of nice horses running in. And um, anyway, we move onwards and upwards, and he's got isotopes still to come, and I'm sure he's going to enjoy getting back on her soon. Four wins is good uh, on any day, but uh, those wins are fairly special. Yes, they certainly, certainly three out of the four. Thanks for your time this morning, mate. We do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Have a great day. Yeah, Tony Gollan, Jordy. Let's listen, listen to one more replay, a final replay. We'll listen to this uh, Philly Glorious Ruby win race four. <laughs> she eases out on Glorious Ruby three wide now as they straighten for home. Legal Osprey led the way from Gemelon Bolt. Glorious Ruby's on the scene. Then came Mashali Delider. Hamlet Von Stetzel, forget the rest. Glorious Ruby on the outside. Going after Gemelon Bolt, they beat off Legal Osprey. And then came Hamlet Von Stetzel. But Glorious Ruby, little Ruby, away she goes. And the good thing of the day, straight to the line. Glorious Ruby first. Gemelon Bolt second, Legal Esprit third, Hamlet Von Stitzel in fourth, then came Barista Sister Making Ground with Better Off, then Mashani the Light, our hot friend, and a long way back, Sato's gal in 60.8. She's doing well, Glorious Ruby, Brian Dias and Leah Kilner. Got, got Garibaldi wrong, got Glorious Ruby right, and look, yeah. we've run out of time, there's nothing more you can yeah, say. No. <laughs> We've got to go. There were some good runs, Gemma Long Bolt in that, Hamlet Von Stitzel and Better Off for 1200, but you're right, she was too good. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for your company, folks, and pass the post, of course, again next Sunday. Join you for Press Room tomorrow. Andrew, they're at the boxes for the first at Capalabar today.